0: Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hey, I'm Ryan Giffen. I'm your host of Beyond Speaking and with me today is Clint Pulver. What Clint does, the the, the trick shot that he brings to the stage is that usually there's a large drum set on stage, stage center at all of your events. Let's start there. How, how did you get into to drumming? What was that journey like? And
1: Yeah, so uh, in, in school I was uh, the kid that could never sit still. Yeah. I was the kid that was always moving, always tapping, um, even right now. It's like grabbing something, <laughs> so I can just—it uh, just subconsciously, I remember my my right hand would start tapping, my left hand would start tapping, and obviously that's annoying to everybody else that's in the room or within can the vicinity of that happening. And I got sent to the principal's office. Was called the Twitcher, the Tapper, nicknamed, um, and everybody just sit still, sit still, sit still, still. And I, I got sent to the principal's office, and the principal was like, "Just sit on your hands." Can you just sit on your hands? Oh, man. And that worked for like five minutes because then my feet would start tapping. My whole body just moved. I was the kid that just could not yeah. sit still. Yeah. And uh, one day, I'll never forget, there was a teacher and his name was Mr. Jensen. And yeah, I've been teaching for a long time. He looked at me in class and he said, Clint, I need you to stay after class. And it was while I was tapping. Jeez, and no he one said, wants and to hear Yeah. Them. He's like, we're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk. Ugh. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm going to get expelled as a 10-year-old. Huh cause I've already been in trouble. I've already, you know, uh, uh, I've already, I've already had the, 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 the the label and class dismissed bell rings, completely empty room. He pulls up a big chair and a little chair. And he said, listen, I know who you are. Uh, you're the kid that everybody talks about. I know you get teased. I know you're called the twitcher. You're the kid that's on the list. You're the kid that got sent to the principal's office. And he said, but here's the deal. He said, I, 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 I watched what you do. And every time you try to focus, you'll do something with your right hand. And then literally at the same time, you, you do something with, with your left hand. And you, you do it simultaneously, but but different. We call that ambidextrous. Right. And I'm like, I have no idea what that word means. And he said, I You're want You're like, am I in trouble? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, 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 are you, what are you getting at? And he goes, can you tap your head and rub your belly at the same time? And I gave it a shot and I could do it. And he goes, okay, now switch it. He said, he said then can, can, you, can you rub your head and then tap your belly? Now switch back and switch back again. And literally without thinking about it, I could just do it. I had some, you know, a sense of independence in my limbs. And, and he sat back and he laughed a little bit and he looked at me and he goes, I don't think you're a problem. I just think you're a drummer. Yeah. And it was a, it was a moment, Ryan, like, and I still to this day, and I didn't know the significance of that moment, but I'll never forget when he leaned back and he opened up the top drawer and he reached inside mm. and he gave me my very first pair of drumsticks. And he was just doing, you know, uh, he was doing what I think so many teachers try to do, right? And just advocate for kids, you know, be more than just a teacher, be an influence, be an, mm-hmm. be be that that purposeful person that people experience their best selves when they're with you. And that's what he did. And he gave me the sticks and he goes, listen, here's the deal. I want you to just keep them in your hands. Let's see what happens. Just Just, you know, practice, keep them in your hands. And it was 22 years ago, and uh, m- my life changed from that moment. Mm. Uh, I, for 22 years, I've had the opportunity to play drums uh, all over the world. I've been on America's Got Talent. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I, w- I was going to be a pilot, had an eye disease. That kind of fell through. I ended up going to college, right? That's what you do, and you don't know what to do with your life. That's you, right. You go to college. And I, graduate, <laughs> I graduated in 2012 uh, with a bachelor's degree and zero college debt because I had music scholarships. Right. And I was able to start a, a drum line at the university that I graduated from, and it provides uh, 17 scholarship, full tuition scholarships for drummers. And th- there's really cool things that have happened because of that. And I'm not telling the story to go, wow, good for you, Clint, or that's amazing, or that, you know. What an opportunity. I'm telling this story because it was one person, mm-hmm. one person who saw what many would deem a limitation or a problem. He saw it as as a solution. Yeah. Changed my life. Helped me live a better story. And it's the power of, of Mr. Jensen. So I, I tell that story, third person on right. stage, and then we reveal the drums. Right. And I sit down and we just rock the house for six or seven minutes. And it gives people the chance to see what influence can look like. Right. Because it's one thing to talk about it, right? It's one thing to train about it. Or teachers, you know, they, they're they with a kid and they, they have that moment. We've all had those moments with great educators or a great leader or a great boss. But sometimes, you know, people move on or they graduate or they go to a different... And you don't always see the ramifications and the goodness that that one decision at the right place at the right, right time and how that impacted somebody. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. And you never forget the good ones. You never forget the good teachers. Yeah. And so, it's a fun message uh, to share.
0: So, one of the c- cool things I love about your story too is that you you spent a lot of time uh, in uh, working as undercover and not undercover FBI or anything, but you probably got maybe a little bit more done in your undercover work than maybe an undercover FBI could have gotten done. So, uh, yeah, tell perhaps, us a little yeah. bit about that undercover project that you uh, did and where where that all stemmed from?
1: Yeah, I was in New York city and we were at a mastermind group. We're meeting with a bunch of other, you know, CEOs talking business. And this one particular CEO, we're in his flagship store, uh, in the city. And he's talking about how they're changing to, to meet the demands of the marketplace. And I asked him, I said, so what about your management style? Have you changed how you manage employees today versus how you manage employees 20 years ago? Mm -hmm. And he fired back without, without even thinking about it and said, no, not at all. He said, the wow. way I manage today is the same way I managed 20 years ago. Thinking consistency is the best. Yeah. And, and no need to change. Right. And I, I thought that, you know, it was a strong response. And I, I said, interesting. And we're in a store and I remember looking around and there's employees. And I thought to myself, I said, I wonder if they would say the same thing. Right. I wonder if they would think that how wonderful and great you feel, you know, the strategy is, if they would, if they would feel that, that same, uh, kind of feeling. And so I, I literally asked them, And I am a millennial. And I remember that day I had like a backwards hat on and my Nikes, my joggers. (laughs) And we had like 30 minutes to kill. And I went up and I just asked uh, six of his employees and I just simply said, what's it like to work here? And tell me about the management. And do you see yourself working here long term? Um, Do you recommend it? And at the end of the conversation, five. And they didn't know who you were. (laughs) No, 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 I did. I was just I was just simply curious. Right. Thinking about maybe applying. Right. Or you know, I'm just like, curious about the job. What's it like that's cool. And, and it was interesting because they told me everything because I wasn't a boss. I wasn't a part of the store. I wasn't a survey. I was just another millennial. Mm. And at the end of the conversation, five out of the six of the employees said they would be gone and not working for this guy and his store in less than three and a half months. They had already applied to another location. They had already accepted jobs, or they were currently looking for a new opportunity. Oh wow! Five out of the six, and I just said, "Man," instead of like you know frustration at the boss, it was more. I, I thought, "What? How helpful would it be if if he could hear this?" Right. And that that was it. That's what started the undercover millennial program. And I said, "Man, what a valuable resource that would help CEOs, executives, managers." To understand their people better mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah for the last five years that's what we've done and we've worked with 180 different organizations and we've interviewed over 10,000 employees undercover Wow and I feel like we've, we've gathered the most real and authentic data on what works and what doesn't when it comes to retention on how to build loyalty because that was the cool part of the whole undercover piece. It's not when an employee was ticked off at their job or not happy with their manager. The cool part was when an employee would say, I love, I love it here. Mm -hmm. And I'd ask, so what's your management? I love my manager. Like Susie, you got to meet Susie. Mm -hmm. Susie, come here. And they'd say, you got to apply. And like, they had this just sense of purpose and belonging and loyalty uh, that was just crazy in, in in industries that like 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 McDonald's or or retail food and beverage or industries where you might not consider that a full long-term right. career people right. were just like enthralled and and they never wanted to leave and so that we we had uh, that's how the book got started and the book comes out next fall and I titled the book I love it here uh because that was the response that was so magical and then how great leaders create organizations their people never want to leave. And it's just compiled of all of the solution-based research on how leaders can replicate and create that kind of a culture for their people.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the book then. That's going to be kind of a huge piece that you're going to be putting. You've been stacking a lot of pieces of blocks together to yeah. you know, build. Um, that's a huge showcase piece, man. Tell me about that. Is that exciting? Is that been a dream of yours to write a book or... It was super overwhelming to be honest. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of data, Uh, the time, uh, like it. it, it, And I want it to be done really well. And there's some really cool actionable principles that just work. And I, again, and it's and it's not just my book. I feel like it's a book for the people. Like it's a book for the employees because it's written by the employees. Yeah, it's their voice. It's their experience. It's their voice uh, and how they viewed. A great workplace. And that's the difference. I think it's not a leadership book written by a leadership guru. It's, it's leadership book written by the people. And so it was really fun and and we're still working on it. It's still a process.
0: What would you say the number one piece of advice to uh, a millennial or a Gen Z or or Gen Y or whatever the generation coming out of college or Mm -hmm. moving into the workforce? What would you say the number one piece of advice would be to them on either finding the right job or being in the right mindset or, you know, there's the pursue your passions, but, you know, also, you yeah. know, do it, you know, where, where would you, what kind of advice would you give to that?
1: Yeah. I, I think uh, first off, number one, I would say, uh, create what I call your board of mentors. Mm. Like if you look at any, you know, successful, significant organization, most organizations have like a board of directors right? and it's a group of people that that company has selected that are experts and have experience and are extraordinary in some way, shape, or form that when that company has an important decision, they take it to the board of directors. And I think the same for young people. Uh, They should be willing to do whatever it takes to associate with extraordinary people. If there's somebody that is doing what you want to do and is living a life that you want to live, do whatever it takes to associate with them. Hmm. That association and connection, I still love William Damon. He did one of the largest studies of young people and found that the number one contributing factor as to how young people found purpose and significance in their life was through the association and connection with other purposeful people.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's true, right? That association, right? Whether it's true or not, I don't know if it's ever been proven, but Jim Rohn always said, you become the average of the five people that you associate with most. That's true. Like if it, that that association matters. You put a hard to catch horse in a field with an easy to catch horse, you probably end up with two hard to catch horses, <laughs> right? Yeah. You put a sick child in the room with a healthy child, you usually end up with two sick children. And so again, the association: who are your friends? Who are you hanging with? The, 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 the phrase everyone says: "Show me, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future." That kind of a mentality in that: who you hang with. Uh, and, and, a, and a mindset to be willing to hang with the best and the people that influence you and inspire you, it matters. And I think it helps you to design a life through, through what others have done versus living just a life by default. Mm-hmm. I think it's huge.
0: What would you then say would be the number one piece of advice that you give to managers? Now, they could be managers that are Gen X or even maybe some older you, know, you know, millennials. Uh, but then all the way to the baby boomers. Yeah. So, you know, it's widely, you know, a joke now. Okay, boomer. You know, it's sure. it's, it's a punchline now. Yeah. So, you know, I know that that doesn't really settle well with a lot of people or they're like, oh, that's stupid, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what would you give advice to that boomer or Gen X manager, leader to just efficiently manage and to, you know, have, have successful relationships and or business relationships with those Else?
1: Yeah, I think there's a difference, like uh, you know, between management and mentorship, or even leadership, and that's why I call it, you know, create a board of mentors, mm. not a board of bosses, not a board of of directors. It is a board of mentors, and mentors, mentorship is earned. And and there's something that was great when we when we did the undercover research when we found. a a true mentor in the workplace because they, and they became that because they were the person that, that the mentee wanted to connect with because of who they were, because that person could connect others to their dream. If you look at, you know, any great script or movie, uh, production or even a play, there's always the mentee in the story. And then there's this mentor that shows up and helps them get to Mm -hmm. where they want to go. Yeah. right? Like Simba, Simba had Mufasa, right? Ryan? Right. Or, uh, uh, the genie had, or Aladdin had the genie. Frodo had Gandalf. Rocky had Mick, right? These cool <laughs> yeah. mentors that showed up and they make the story better. They were not leaders. They were mentors. They yeah. were people because of their characteristics, Guides, their credibility, yeah. their competence, mm-hmm. their confidence, who they were that helped the mentee write a better story. So, sorry, that's a long answer to your question. So, if you can, if you're a manager and you've got a team of young millennials uh, or Gen Z employees, I would, I would advocate towards taking the role of being that mentor, being the person that connects them to their dreams. Some of the greatest mentors and the people that have meant the most to me in my life were simply people that were amazing at sparking the possibilities for me. Right. And all they did, like Mr. Jensen, for example, mm-hmm. he did two things. He communicated my potential and my worth. That's it right. potential and worth the Hawthorne Institute. They just came out with a research study and they found that, and I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, in the kids that I work with and, uh, speaking to youth, there is a struggle, maybe a rise of a depression or anxiety negativity. And they found 15 to 60,000 thoughts is what, you know, your high school student will have in one day subconsciously. Right. But what they also found is that 80% of that was negative. It's like, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not cool enough. I only got 56 likes on my Instagram post, you know, whatever. But you take 80% of negativity and then you compound that day after day after day. We just need people to believe in us. We need like, not even, not develop me. Don't develop me. Just be an advocate. Be the person that communicates my potential and my worth. And I think that, that great leaders that learn how to spark those possibilities by creating growth opportunities, mm-hmm. by creating opportunities where people can be recognized. You do. You, how people, how your people experience you as a manager and how they experience themselves when they're with you, it matters. Hmm. And all Mr. Jensen did for me, I, and I've looked back at that moment and why it was so impactful. He did two things. He looked at me and he told me who I was and that I was worth something. And then second, he told me what he saw me becoming. That was it, potential and worth. Mm. And I connected to that because he believed in me when nobody else did. And I, I do, I think we just need, we just need somebody to believe in us. So be that person. Be the advocate, not just the developer. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. To learn more about today's guest, visit beyondspeak.com. This episode of the Beyond Speaking Podcast, your technical director, producer, and head Steelers fan was me, Eric Woody. Brian Lord was your host and executive producer. Shout out to special consultant, Lauren D of D Associates, and Robert Porquez for that sweet, sweet intro. If you've listened this far, do me a favor and justify my existence and salary by checking out another episode of the Beyond Speaking Podcast.